Good morning. Welcome to Paisley St George's Cossyside. A couple of intimations we've got for me, for you. One from Irene Gemmell. Mentioned this last week as well, so I'm just going to mention it again. The first edition of Paisley St George's magazine, called News from the Pews, will be collated and distributed early August. If any individual or organisation would like to contribute something to share with the congregation, please email Irene Gemmell, I-G-Irene, game at gmail.com if you remember that good luck right no later than sunday 25th of july if you're needing from the email come and see me after the service previously in stowbury kirk have held a green fingers and wooden spoon afternoon this allowed members of the church to showcase their talents by exhibiting cut flowers floral arrangements fruit vegetables etc all homegrown there was also a craft and home baking session her section, crafts included knitted, crocheted, sewn items, cross-stitch, bookmark cards, etc. Baking included jam, chutney, cheesecakes, cupcakes, pancakes, etc. With the COVID-19 restrictions the remain, remaining in place, we are going to hold a Green Fingers and Wooden Spoon show online. Okay. We would like members, young and old, of Paisley St George's Church, together with the Girls' Brigade, Boys' Brigade, guides, etc., to send in, uh, email the photograph of a flower, pot plant, fruit, vase of flowers, floral arrangements, etc. If you're crafty, then we would like a photo of your crafts, be it sewn, crochet, cross-stitch, stitch, painting, etc. Alternatively, you're a baker, then you can have a photograph, could be of a fruit tin loaf, Victoria sponge, cheesecake, pancake, oh, this is all making me hungry, right? um, even a pot of jam or chutney. Photographs of flowers, veg, crafts and baking are of your choice. We would like the children to send in photographs of a drawing of a flower, fruit or craft. It could even be an animal made from vegetables. Be very careful with that one. Right. The photos should be emailed to flowersandcrafts2021 at gmail.com by the evening of Friday 20th of August and will be posted on the church Facebook page for all to see. Remember, the flowers, fruit crafts and baking must be homegrown or made by you. There will be no trophies or prizes this year. If we are oversubscribed with photographs, then your photo may not be shown. And that's a thank you from the Green Fingers and Wooden Spoon Committee. This is a, the final live stream of, to the Outreach Centre. Um, so, apart from special services, Live stream will be available to those who still wish to join us from their home. Next week, we'll welcome Mary back to lead us in worship as in the United Church. And lastly, but not least, wish to give a warm welcome and thank you to John Spooner, who will be leading us in worship today. That's all the intimations. Thank you for your kind words of welcome, Graham, and for all the other greetings which folks have already extended to me this morning. My very sincere thanks to Vary for inviting me to lead your worship today. Can I ask how many of you have ever told your children, I can't be in two places at one time? I guess most of you. I certainly have. 
I've even told my grandson that recently when he comes up with, come with me, granddad, do this, do that. Anyway, it seems that perhaps I can be in two places at one time as I'm very conscious that I'm here with you at Cossie Side Street and through Stephen's technical wizardry and skills, I know that I'm also with the folks at the Outreach Centre in Glenburn and then of course there's the others in their homes. But it's not really me that's with you, is it? Or it's not me that's in all these places. It is God. It is God's spirit that moves among us. And I need to be quite careful about what I say in, about being back in the company of old friends and making new friends. The two and a half years in which I was locum at Glenburn were very special times for me. And it's great to see familiar faces, not old faces, just simply familiar faces here, people that I have come to know. And today it's a pleasure to meet other people whom I didn't previously know. And it's even better to have heard about and to see how God has brought the two congregations of Stowbray and Glenburn together as St. George's Church. And now together as one people of God, you are actively developing your life, worship and mission. May God lead and bless you in all that you do. Our call to worship this morning, stepping away from, but knowing we must return to, the noise of the world, we have come here to the peace of the sanctuary. Having so much, often too much to do, we have come here to pause and to be still. Surrounded by competing influences in the clutter and clamour of the world, we have come here to know and to feel the presence of God, bringing our own feelings of inadequacy and weakness. We have come here to be restored and re-energised in the presence, the glory and the power of the Lord. So let us be still and worship God as the choir leads us in our first hymn, which is Be Still for the Presence of the Lord, and that's to be found in Mission Praise at number 50.
We come before God with our prayers of approach, confession, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are our God and we are your people. This is your house and we have come here with joy and expectation. Joy that we have the freedom of choice and the desire to be here. Expectation that not only will we meet and share fellowship with others who love and serve you, but expectation that the time we share together here will be time spent with you as we offer you our worship and praise, as we confess our weakness and failings, as we bring our concerns for others to you, and importantly, as we be still, as we know that we are in your presence, still to hear your ancient yet living word read to us, to listen attentively for what your still small voice is saying to us, in the very depths of our hearts and being. Our God, when we are in a familiar sanctuary, a place special and significant in the story of our lives, or when we are in a great abbey or cathedral, the magnificence and beauty of which takes our breath away, we know that we are standing on holy ground. There and then, it is not too difficult it may be even quite easy to be in the right frame of mind, to do all the correct and expected things which come easily to mind. But we have to be honest and admit that there are many times when we fail, when in the midst of the ordinary things of life, we do not realize that we are standing on holy ground, when we do not live up to the expectations which we have of ourselves far less the expectations which you have of us. When we go home from the sanctuary and very conveniently just leave you there, when we forget that you are with us always and everywhere, that it is not you who goes without us, but it is we who go without you. When we feel that we can only face the challenges of life with the little resources which we have, forgetting that there is no work too hard for you and that all we have to do in faith is to receive your power. Forgive us, Lord, for the times and ways we fail you by forgetting about you or pushing you to the back in our lives, sometimes by keeping you as our personal possession and not sharing with other people the blessings which we have found in you, blessings which others may need of your presence, your forgiveness, your power and your peace. As we offer our confessions, we pray that in your love and mercy, we might be forgiven and restored to be the people you would have us be, that by our lives, we might follow the example of Jesus, showing your love in action and bringing glory and honor to your name. These prayers we bring in Jesus' name, and now we continue to pray in the words which he taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture lessons this morning and our prayers of intercession will be led by Muriel Govan. Thank you, Muriel. Our first Bible reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 21. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Not that I have already obtained all this, or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press onwards towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Together, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we wait, eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Exactly three months ago this week, events of great significance took place in two churches in Paisley. On Sunday, the 11th day of April, the final services in the then congregations of Stowbray Kirk and Glenburn Parish Church took place. And on the Thursday evening, the 15th day of April, both congregations were united to become this new and purposeful congregation of Paisley St. George's. And now you're set out on a journey with a very clear purpose, which is to tell people about God and Jesus, to tell them that God loves each and every person and that it was for us, for you and for me and for the people we meet and the people we talk to, for the person who challenges us about our faith and its importance in our life. It was for all people that Jesus died and rose again so that absolutely nothing could separate us from God and absolutely nothing can stop God loving us. Two weeks ago today, my good friend Muriel Smith led your worship and she spoke about the challenge to reach out to people and to tell them of God's love, not only in words, 
but also by showing that love in the ways that we relate to people, in the things we say, and in the ways we care about them and care for them. The broad theme of this service is to focus a little on a couple of aspects about the commitment which we should have to our involvement in what is clearly now front and centre stage in the approved and publicly stated priorities of the Church of Scotland. The whole structure, activity and financing of the church being primarily refocused on mission and outreach. And so to do that, we'll consider a couple of passages from letters which the Apostle Paul wrote to developing churches, noting, of course, that although Paul wrote and sent these letters a very long time ago, nonetheless, they have a great relevance for Paisley St. George's and for other churches, not only in this area, but throughout Scotland, as there can be no denying that in our society today, it is imperative that we all are and that we all continue to be developing churches. Our first passage, which Muriel read for us from Paul's writings, was part of his letter to the church in Philippi. When Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison awaiting trial, a possible outcome of which could have been that he would be put to death. But earlier in the letter, he indicated his clear inner conviction that God still had more work for him to do and that he would be with the Philippians again and be able to share in their work. Is that not the whole rationale for this congregation of Paisley St. George's being established? The two congregations which recently were united and indeed all the predecessor congregations before them have faithfully served God in their time and place. But just as Paul had an inner conviction about God's plans for the church in Philippi, so too this new congregation has been formed on the basis of a similar conviction that God has more work for you to do here in Paisley. Paul later comments on the futility of putting confidence in the things of humanity and not putting confidence in Christ. He tells them that he has all the right credentials for being a committed servant of Christ Jesus. As it's translated in the message, Paul says, You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, and a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. Paul goes on to say that of all that apparently good stuff doesn't matter a bit. What he says is important is the high privilege of knowing Christ as my master and through sharing in his sufferings to attain eternal life. The passage which Muriel read for us begins with Paul admitting that in no way is he perfect and that he still has a long way to go. Remember that by his own admission, in his former life when he was known as Saul, Paul was a zealous persecutor of the church 
And what happened to him on the road to Damascus was that God in Christ reached out to him. God took hold of him. And now Paul is reaching out to God to know him better and to serve him better. At a meeting I attended some time ago, the convener of the committee opened it with prayer, which included the thought that God calls people from the world into his church, and then he calls people from his church into his service. We are not here to work for God because we have chosen to do it. On the contrary, it is God who chooses us And as he lays hold of us by calling us into his service, what we have to do is to make our decision about acceptance or otherwise of that divine calling. Our own credentials in life do not qualify us for service in the mission of Christ. It is only the call of God to us. No matter how unqualified or inexperienced or unworthy we may think ourselves to be, That is important. A friend who was a minister used to tell folk, I don't work for the church. I work for God, and the church pays me to do it. I'm sure that is a sentiment which the Apostle Paul would endorse. Paul knew that service to God is very much in real time. In a sense, the past is unimportant as it is gone. And the future is not yet with us, so what is important is what we do now. I've read a challenging book entitled The Power of Now, in which the writer Eckhart Tolle is very clear that the only place in which we can function is in the now. Put another way, Paul's exhortation to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead is neither about living in the past nor in the future, but pressing on in the present, because that, in the present, is where eternity touches us. It touches us in the now. Paul knew, and I am sure that we know too, that a race is only won in the present moment, not in the past or in the future. This new congregation has a great future of many opportunities, some of which you may already be working on and others which have not yet come to surface. As you move forward, please keep hold of this. You have the highest calling because it comes from the heart of God. God has brought this congregation into being and like Paul, God has work for you to do together. So be like Paul, who, as translated in the message, said, I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Amen. We continue in praise as the choir leads us with the hymn, Jesus, the very thought of thee, which is to be found in the church hymnary at number 560. Jesus, the very thought of thee.
Our second reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I knew a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the passage from the letter to the Philippians, which we considered a few moments ago, there were a couple of important themes to which Paul was drawing our attention. One being the futility of boasting in our own achievements. Sorry. 
Sorry. In chapter 12, he changes tack and speaks about visions and revelations that God gave him and by which his spirit rose to a level of ecstasy and a nearness to God which was beyond surpassing. I don't want you to tell us, but you may find it useful to reflect privately if there has ever been an occasion in your life when you had that type of experience of ecstasy and a nearness to God which was beyond surpassing. And as you reflect on it, you might just be surprised. Recognizing that these great revelations could make him be conceited, Paul then turns to speaking about a thorn in his flesh, something he suggests was sent by Satan to torment him. We're not told what the thorn in the flesh was, but there have been several suggestions, such as opposition and persecution, spiritual or bodily temptations, bodily disfigurement, medical conditions such as epilepsy or blinding headaches. But we don't know what troubled Paul, but trouble him, it certainly did. What thorns do we have in our flesh which hinder us in our relationship with God and our commitment to his service. For many of us, these thorns are less likely to be physical. They are more likely to be emotional or within the attitudes and the ways we think, feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness, fear about where commitment may lead us in the future guilt about the past, hurts from previous experiences, hurts which are still painful. For each of us, that is a deeply personal matter, perhaps to be shared only with God and with those folk closest to us. But what is important is what follows. The narrative of verses 8 to 10 and the challenges that they throw out to us. Three times, Paul pleaded with God to take this problem away from him. Do we do as Paul did and be persistent in sharing these matters with God? Do we recall and follow the example of Jesus when in Gethsemane he prayed that the hour might pass from him as he prayed, Father, everything is possible for you take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Did God respond to these pleadings from his son Jesus and from his servant Paul? Well, maybe not in a literal sense, but in a way more important and dynamic than that. To Paul, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. As the late Professor William Barclay put it, God answered that prayer as he so often answers prayer. He does not take the thing away, but he gave Paul the strength to bear it. God does not spare us difficult things. He makes us able to conquer them and to come through them. And Jesus proves that too. 
God did not stop the whole series of events that was to follow. The trial, the disowning, the mockery, the crucifixion, the death and the burial of Jesus. No, God gave him the strength to bear it. He brought Jesus through to the glorious and world-redeeming resurrection on Easter Day. In our lives, built on Christian faith and lived in Christian service, we will face obstacles. We will feel the discomfort of metaphorical thorns in our side. But are we able in sincerity to echo the words of Paul, who assured of the sufficiency of God's grace and power, perfected in weakness, said, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God said to Paul, and he says to us today, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So let it be, Lord. Amen. We continue with that thought as the choir leads us in praise as they sing to us, I am weak, but thou art strong, to be found in Mission Praise number 263.
We come before God again with our prayers of thanksgiving and dedication. Let us pray. Lord our God, there is a lovely song which says that our God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing which he cannot do. As we look around our world, as we reflect on our lives, we can see the truth in the words of that song. As the mountains stand majestically, as the rivers flow gently and then cascade over rock faces, as the tide ebbs and flows rhythmically, as the light of day turns to the dark of night and back again, as the fullness of summer is revealed in creation, in the growth of farm crops and garden vegetables, in the radiant blooming of plants and flowers, in the warmth and brightness of sunshine, in all of that, we can see the handiwork of our God, who is creator and sustainer. Great God, for all of that, we give you our thanks. In our daily lives, we know many blessings, the physical and emotional comfort of our homes, the sustenance and nourishment of food and fluid, the love and joy of family, the companionship and support of friends and neighbours, the purpose, pleasure and reward we find in employment and hobby, the security and care of the services surrounding us through the provision of national agencies, charities and voluntary organisations. Great God, for all of that, we give you our thanks. God of all goodness, in your Son, Jesus Christ, you have given us the greatest gift of all. By his life, his teaching and example, he has shown us how we should live in peace and unity with God and all people. By his death and resurrection, he has brought down all the barriers which can separate us from you. The power of sin has been conquered and the sting of death is no more. The way to eternal life is open and freely available with the choice to take it being ours to make. Great God, for all of that, we give you our thanks. Lord of all, thank you that you have called us into the fellowship of faith, which is the family of the church. And within it, you have appointed a role for each of us for which we are given sufficient strength to meet the task. Living God, as we have offered our thanks for the gifts of your great goodness, we offer and dedicate anew our devotion and worship, our vision and our time, our skills and abilities, our gifts from the wealth of the worldly resources with which we have been blessed. We pray that you would accept multiply and use these gifts of what we are and what we have for the mission of your church in this place and time. These prayers we bring in Jesus' name. Amen. And we continue with a well-loved, a well-known and a beautiful hymn. Our choir will lead us in amazing grace to be found in the church hymnary at number 555. Five. 
Let us pray for ourselves and for others. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus promised, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Father, we thank you for your presence here today and ask that you will bless this congregation and that you will bind us together in your love and fellowship. Father, we pray for all who are sick in our congregation and throughout our country, that you will restore them with your healing power. Father, we pray for our health workers and caregivers, that you will renew their strength and that you will channel your love and care through them. Father, we pray for the lonely and isolated, especially during this pandemic that they may experience your loving presence. Father, we pray for our local councillors, our MPs in Hollywood and Holyrood, and our MPs in Westminster, and that you will guide them and grant them wisdom and understanding as they make decisions which affect us all. Father, we pray for all those who suffer from poverty and war, that you will send your comfort, your peace and your calming presence to those who are without hope and that we in your church and those in authority will work to alleviate suffering and distress. Lord, show us what we can do in your name. Father, we pray that each one of us will be filled with your love and your tender care for everyone we meet. Help us to be your eyes, hands and feet as we go through this week. And we ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Just before our closing hymn, just a couple of things I'd like to say. I understand that last week Graham intimated to you the death of Margaret McMillan who was a long-serving and faithful member of Glenburn Parish Church. As yet, there are still no details of the funeral arrangements, but they will be shared with the congregation as and when we know. But we continue to remember Margaret's family in our prayers at this sad and difficult time. And secondly, I'd like just to say a word of personal thanks to Fleming and the singers and to Muriel for their contribution, their participation in leading this service. Um, I very much enjoy shared worship um, and I'm very grateful to all of them. Thank you. We close our service with a wonderful hymn, Lord of creation to you be all praise, which is to the lovely tune slain and it's number 500 in the church hymnary. Lord of creation to you be all praise.
If you are able, please be upstanding for the benediction. We go now to live and to serve each day in the certainty that we do so in the presence and the power and to the glory of Almighty God. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Spirit be with us and with all for whom we have prayed, whether they may be in this world or in the next today and always.